Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cauchois, and my guest today is a stunning Cirque du Soleil singer and musician. You might have seen her in Iris, on Amaluna, and recently on Curios. I can't wait for you to discover her unique story of passion and survival. Here she is, the absolutely wonderful Amanda Zido. Amanda, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. How are you? I'm doing well. Very well. I'm in LA. It's sunny here all the time. It's warm. No snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. We're having a snowstorm right now upstate New York. It's not, not, not super fun. Yeah, I've seen pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and so you told me the other day that you were coming back on Curious. I am. I'm joining uh, the cast of Curious and I'm so excited to be there <laughs> to join that show. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I bet. Because when, when was the last time you were on a Cirque stage? Uh, March of 2020, March 1st was our last show with Amaluna. Uh, we were in Sacramento and we were scheduled to go to Hong Kong after. And because of uh, COVID, that got canceled, of course, yeah. as everything else did. <laughs> so that was the last time that I was on stage, uh, on a Cirque stage. And yeah, it's going to feel so good to be back on there. Ah, was Amaruna scheduled to close in Hong Kong? Um, yes, I believe that it was scheduled for Hong Kong was going to be our only city uh, in Asia. I think they were trying to get some other cities, but uh, uh, eventually it looked like Hong Kong would be the last city. Uh, so, mm. yeah, Sacramento ended up being the last city instead. And, and did you feel you had uh, a proper last show with Amaruna like did you know oh we're not gonna go there it means really like these shows we're doing here are the last one did you get to enjoy that or you you knew only after afterward yes we we did know that Sacramento would be our last city uh for good so we had a very proper goodbye to the show um It was it was wonderful to be able to to close that show and uh, experience that with everyone, and I I know that other shows that were still running it was very difficult for them because they didn't know how long we were going to be out with you know everybody thought two weeks maybe a month at most, and then a lot of those people just never saw their. Uh, They're their friends again, you know, for, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. So. And on, on Curious, you're going as a keyboard and cello player, but on Amaruna, you were also a singer, right? Yes. A singer, cellist and character actor. So it'll be very different, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because it was a lot like uh, I was on Iris before Amaluna. Okay. And I was also cello keyboard on there as well. So. It'll be similar. Oh, so you went from strictly musician to musician, singer and character, and now you're going back to musician in the band. Yes, exactly. Did you do the creation of Amaluna? I did not. I went in about two years into when the show was on tour. So I finished the tour in North America Uh, with them. And then we went to Europe after that. But before we went to Europe, uh, or as we, when we went to Europe, we did another mini creation because, you know, the market is different in Europe than in North America. It was time to revamp the show, put in some new acts, change things that they'd been wanting to change for a long time. Mm -hmm. So because you have that longer period of time when you're switching continents mm -hmm. we had that you know we had that time to basically do another creation so i did get to experience some creation with them <laughs> yeah and so how did it feel to to do that recreation and then to have the whole run of the show and then to close it 
I've I've never closed any show, so I don't know how it would feel. I imagine it must have been super emotional. Ah, okay. <laughs> yes, it was. I I actually uh, so for Iris, I did the creation and the closing, and then for Amaluna, I did the mini creation and the closing as well. And it was both that same experience of of it being very it, it's bittersweet in a way. I mean, of course, you're all very sad to be losing this family that you've had for years. And, um, but, but also kind of excited too, to see what's, what's in the future, mm -hmm. you know, because of course, when you're, when you're on a surf show, that's your life yeah, you know? sure. it's because you're there, uh, you know, six days a week, um, and doing shows. So your life is filled with nonstop, uh, Cirque, you know, between rehearsals and performances. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes to start to look beyond that can be very exciting as well. Oh, it's true. I was I was part of the people who like you. Know, I was on totem when the pandemic hit, and then the the show we learned way after, like la, at the beginning of the year, that mm -hmm. the show was not going to reopen in the near future. So yeah. basically, there is no date for reopening yet. And I felt really sad, but at the same time, I felt that it was a blessing because I don't know how hard it could be to go and perform your last show. Like I, I remember seeing Marie-Michelle Faber's last show when I was with you guys on, on Amaluna. And I remember seeing that show and feeling like it, it looks like the hardest thing to do. And so in a way I was like, Oh, I, I never have to do my last show. It's sad, but at the same time, I never have to go through that struggle. So maybe. Oh yeah, there's lots of tears on stage <laughs> yes. for the last show. In a sense, you know, I I remember Marie Michelle, um, you know, her last show, and it's I I find that it would be in a way more difficult when you, it's just you who's mm. leaving, you know. Um, whether you know, even if it's, even if you are going to go to another show, it's still you know that feeling of leaving all your your friends and family there. But uh, when you, the entire cast is leaving at the same time, it's, it it does feel a little different. I think because you're all there uh, in the same situation, you're feeling those same emotions, and um, and it's funny because. <laughs> uh, you know, we're all crying on stage and sometimes the audience members don't know that yeah, it's, it's your true. last show <laughs> and they just see the whole cast crying on stage <laughs> and falling and thinking, wow, they're artists. They're very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's so funny. And was Iris your first show? It was. Like how did you, how did you start it with Cirque? What was your first Cirque gig? So my first show was Iris, and that was a permanent show based in Los Angeles. And um, I had gotten an email from the Musicians Union in Los Angeles saying that there were, they were going to hold auditions for this new Cirque du Soleil show that was going to be opening in Los Angeles. And, uh, and Danny Elfman was going to be the composer. And wow, for real? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It was such an incredible experience. Uh, and I remember seeing that email and thinking, oh, my God, just the sheer amount of people that are going to be auditioning for this show. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I have no chance. <laughs> you know, but I, and, and I waited, I think that the applications were due February 14th. I remember because it was Valentine's day. And um, I waited until probably 11 PM at night <laughs> to, send <in> my, <laughs> um, to, to send in my application. Cause I thought, oh, you know what? Yes. Okay. I'm going to audition. So I sent it in and, and uh, yeah, thank God I did <laughs> because I got the show, but um, it was a very long process between the time that you send the application in to the time that you actually hear back from them. It, it you know, it feels like forever, but it, you know, it took several weeks uh, for them to contact uh, me uh, and ask me to send in audition tapes. And then once I did that, then they, you know, I went into their bank of musicians mm -hmm. and 
they asked me to then send a more specific audition where it was some of the music from the show itself, which I did. And then about 24 hours, less than 24 hours after I sent in that second tape, I got a, a call from them to do a live audition because, you know, they were in Montreal at the time. And the live audition was in Montreal or in L.A.? It, it ended up being in L.A. over uh, at that time we had Skype because it was a Zoom back in, <laughs> yes. uh, what was it, 2010? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they uh, we, we did it over Skype and Danny Elfman was there. The band director was there. Uh, you know, casting was there. So it was, there were a lot of people there and it was, you know, you're, you're just. It's very uh, scary. Yeah, I, I <laughs> bet for sure. And how was the process? How many people were there at that step? And what was the process like once you were doing live audition? So what they did was they had asked me to, again, play some music from the show that I had. And then they asked me to improvise something on the spot. So I had to just play, uh, just make something up, some music up right there on the spot. And then they asked me to play uh the same music again but at a different speed so they wanted uh to see like, how fast i can play how slow you know just just different things and also i th i believe that they were also looking to to test whether i was able to uh, adapt to change very quickly mm -hmm. because You know, as you know, in Cirque, things are always changing. Uh, you know, acts, music, you know, everything uh, can change show to show, moment to moment. So yes. they really want to see that you're able to adapt well to that change, um, you know, and, and under pressure. So, <laughs> and how was it to live in LA to have the, a resident show in LA versus? touring with Amaluna? So I was in, I had already been living in LA uh, before I got the show for uh, probably eight years at that point. Uh, and I mean, that was the ultimate dream was to have a permanent job as a musician, performing as a musician in the city where you, you live, you know, that's, that's any musician. Yeah, for dream. sure. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, so that was really uh, such a blessing to be, to have that experience. And I had, I was living in Beverly Hills at the time, an apartment in Beverly Hills. And the show was in Hollywood over at the, the Dolby center. And I ended up moving, even though it wasn't really that far, but as you know, traffic in LA is, yeah. is uh, very difficult at times. So uh, I ended up moving to Hollywood right across the street. Uh, they had built a new building uh, at the same time as this, the show was going up. So they had built a new building across the street and a lot of the cast ended up moving into that building because it was, it, it took us, like a minute to walk to work. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was great because in between shows, I could go home and walk my dogs. <laughs> that's a, oh, that's great. So you were coming out with your, with your makeup, just put yes. big sunglasses across yes. the street. They, they oh, let us do so that, which was, which was quite rare for a circuit because normally Uh, they don't want you to be seen out in public, like, you know, unless, yeah. it, unless they've scheduled that, but, you know, for a PR event, but uh, we were allowed uh, at that time to go home for lunch or, or dinner rather, and, um, and be in our makeup. And to be honest, I mean, if you've ever been to Hollywood Boulevard, you see Spider-Man, Superman. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so we really all over. just blended right in with Hollywood. Yes. That's <laughs> so funny. You must feel so good also on your energy level because performing 10 shows a week to be able to like break the day and just go home, even just to have a coffee and just like must feel, must feel pretty good. Yeah, it, it definitely, it was like a, a recharge. And I remember in the summer, we actually were doing 12 shows a week in oh. the summer, which was 
very, uh, you know, it's quite difficult, but having that time to be able to go home, you know, just for an hour was, it really made such a difference. It made it everything doable. Yeah, for sure. When we were in New York City with Totem, we did, so we were there for four months and we did three shows every Saturday for the four months. It was not 12 shows, but it was 10 show a week, oh. but on a five day routine. And I just remember that driving the bus the Saturday night after the three shows, everyone was just zombies. And, and the Sunday morning shows are so early too. So I remember... Mm-hmm. It really felt like I was putting my head on a pillow and then closing my eyes and I had to wake up yes. and go back and do the makeup again. And I remember doing my first warm up, feeling like I don't even need, I feel to do that. Like it feels like I just, I just left this place. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember. And actually it's funny that you mentioned the three shows on Saturdays because um, I haven't had to do that too many times for Amaluna. We did it a few times in Europe, but uh that I believe is now going to be the new schedule. Yeah, I heard for that all too. Shows, so three shows on Saturdays, and I remember feeling like, is it possible for me to go home with my makeup on and sleep mm. very still and not disturb <laughs> my makeup and be ready for Sunday morning? Is that possible? Oh, uh, please! You you have to you have to tell me. You have to like tell me if you can do it. It would be amazing. Even to just do touch up the next day, it would be right? incredible. <laughs> it's true because there's so. It feels like there's so few hours in the turnaround between the Saturday night show and the Sunday morning show. So. <laughs> but uh, living in LA, did you do the, um, the Oscar opening show? Oh, so we did, we recorded uh, music for that. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to be in the show, but some of our, our cast members, uh, well, uh, many of our cast members, and actually they brought in some cast members from other shows as well uh, to do that performance for the Oscars. It was such a beautiful performance. It was incredible. But I remember, um, so on Iris, the musicians were sitting on, uh, in kind of in, in, in the audience, in the uh, balcony seats there on the sides. And I remember, uh, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy were set up in my, <laughs> my where I where I normally sit in the oh, show really? <laughs> to, to play the show. They were sit, they used my uh, booth for them to sit in it. It was it was very exciting. <laughs> yes, for sure. I think both Oscars opening from Cirque. Uh, I would put them in my top five favorite Cirque performance of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember being so blown away yeah. both times. Yeah, they, they did such an incredible job to incorporate the uh, to incorporate that into the Oscars, so and good. and in in ways that really um, reflected what was happening in the Oscars. You know, uh, so that was. Uh, that was amazing. I think they do that at the BAFTAs as well in, in London. So yes, yeah. it's true. And working at the Dolby theater, did you feel you had a, a real Hollywood vibe? Oh, absolutely. There was a Hollywood vibe because, you know, the Dolby's where historically that's where the Oscars are held every year. And, um, it's such a magical place to be. I mean, it's, gorgeous gorgeous theater and uh we had a lot of celebrities uh come to see the show every every week there was uh, you know someone famous there coming to see the shows and uh there were times i remember having a few shows where it was actually uh close to the public but you know, bought out for for celebrities, you know, to go. See oh yeah, that. like like who? Oh boy, we I saw uh, everybody was there. Uh, Harrison Ford, uh, you know, James Gandolfini. We had there. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, who else was there that I remember? Just meeting. Oh, Adina Menzel. <laughs> Uh, you know, famous as Broadway actors, but for me, that was just, oh, that was heaven to get to meet her, uh, David Beckham, you know, so we had a, it was, it was a lot of fun meeting, uh, meeting the, everybody 
backstage and they were always so impressed, you know, with the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, meanwhile, we're the ones wanting to get our pictures with them. You know, yeah, yeah it's like, true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, when we were in Santa Monica, uh, Beyonce wanted to do a buyout of the show. And I remember they told us we were, gonna, we were supposed to have double dark and they told us oh, next Tuesday, we might be working because Beyonce wants to buy the show just for her Jay-Z and 50 kids from a foundation that she was taking care of. And so everyone was got super excited. And then the clowns were like, but what are we going to do in animation? Like it's going to be, it's literally going to be like 52 people in the audience. Like, and, but then he ended up not, not working. Yeah. It's the only time I saw people going into the Boulder being like, ma, ma, ma. Yes. <laughs> that, I'm sure that was pretty difficult. <laughs> for how long did the show last? Uh, the show ran for two years, about two years. Yeah. Why do you think it didn't last longer? What didn't work? Or like, what, what do you think happened? I, I, you know, Los Angeles is a, it's a TV and movie town. It, it's not a theater live performance town so much. Uh, also, the location was in Hollywood, which of course is appropriate for the for what the show was about. You know, it was a celebration to of, of cinema. So, of course, we were. You know, we should be in Hollywood. But the thing is, is that. Los Angeles residents don't ever go to Hollywood <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's just not, it, you know, it's kind of, it, it's for tourists mm-hmm. really, yeah. uh, that, that whole area. So, and in a city that's so as big as Los Angeles is, it's really actually quite difficult to, to even get the word out that there, that there's a Cirque show in Hollywood, a permanent Cirque show in Hollywood. Um, I remember, being at the dog park many times and speaking with people who had no clue that we were there, you know, even after a year of of being open, they had no clue. Even though there were billboards everywhere and, you know, there was advertisement, but uh, people just still, uh, I guess, because the city is so big and and there's a million things that grab your attention Mm, in Los Angeles. So it's, it's quite difficult to really, you know, stand out. And, you know, the show was a, it was a gorgeous show. It's beautiful show. Yeah. Um, I, I still believe it's the most beautiful show. Is it your favorite show that you performed in? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think Amaluna would have to be old because I got to play such a, an important role in that show uh, because I got you know to do so many things that, I normally wouldn't get to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was the most artistically, that was the most fulfilling role is on Amaluna, but, you know, but, but being able to, you know, and of course the music from Danny Elfman yeah. was incredible on Iris. So getting to work with him and play his, perform his music every night, that was, that was such a, an incredible experience so how was the the creative process did you get to work directly with him on composing and how was how was that yes we we got to work directly with danny uh for for many months and we recorded the soundtrack as well at his studio uh so that was he had a a large orchestra that also recorded it and uh the iris musicians went in and did the solos and uh, w- my favorite part, I think, about working in, in creation during that time was after the show had opened, we went, we decided to go back and and uh, improve the sound okay. of, the, of the show, you know, so uh, not, not the music itself, but just the sound quality. So there were many nights that we actually had to stay after the show ended and then we would start another rehearsal after the show ended and and they usually ran you know past midnight uh but it was so much fun (laughs) because you know we had this whole the whole theater to ourselves for many hours and working with Danny we'd order pizza at night and 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 hang out with him (laughs) oh my god it sounds like the dream really would be so fun it was it really was (sighs) 
And uh, moving forward to Amaluna, yeah. you were playing a bigger part in the show. You're a very important character. You had a lot of interaction with other artists on stage. Yeah. As an artist, how did that feel to play that such a key element in the show and to be working so closely with other artists on stage? I, I felt so incredibly lucky to have that experience of working with everyone so closely. It was, you know, you know, of course, the musicians um, are, are such an integral and important part of the show, but um, being able to actually have, you know, be more at the, at the forefront with the, uh, with the acrobats and, and, and other characters in the show was, uh, it, it was, it was very different. It was very different than kind of being in the pit area of, you know, where the musicians usually sit. Uh, and also to have the cello be such an important part of the show, the yeah. cello was almost like a character in itself on the show. Uh, so that was really cool to, to be able to see that. I remember being on Iris when Amaluna opened and I remember thinking, oh, geez, what? <laughs> how lucky is that woman who gets to be on that show doing that role said, oh my god and when when iris was closing we had uh people from montreal come from from headquarters come from casting and they spoke to all the artists individually had meetings and said you know would you still like to work for the company in the future what are there any shows that uh, you'd be interested in joining in the future if there was a position that was open. And I remember just almost jumping out of my seat and saying, oh, no. oh no. <laughs> you know, that was my first, my first choice. I said, but I thought, uh, of course, that's just probably never going to happen because who would want to, who would ever leave that role, you know, but, but lucky enough, I, I, I did get the chance, um, you know, a year later uh, to, to audition for that, so. And Amaluna was a, the band was exclusively female and the, the whole cast was 90, what, 95% female. How, how was that, that experience for you? Yeah, yeah, so that, that was very different because uh, normally on, on Cirque shows, you, you definitely don't see a larger portion of the cast being female. Uh, so this was, this was very different. And especially the the band, uh, because I, I find that there are definitely tend to be more male musicians on the show on Cirque shows than female. Oh. So to have uh, to to have an all female band already just in itself felt very empowering in a sense, and uh, it was a very special thing. But then to have the rest of the cast also. Uh, be predominantly female. Uh, I just felt so, you know, so happy to be around so many women and and sharing this experience where not only was it where there were more females on, you know, more uh, more women on stage, but also that we played such an important role in that show of of showing this side of of women that. Uh, you know, that, that were, we were, it was this beauty, beautiful mixture of femininity and, and strength uh, that, that I think that Diane Paulus, the director, she did such an amazing job to really showcase that. And, uh, and also to have this, to also weave that, that story, the, the, the Shakespeare Mm -hmm. story, the Tempest into into that uh, was, it was such a special thing uh, that I, I really haven't seen in other Cirque shows where it's, um, you know, where there's so many of those things that are unique, so unique to that show, you know, where you have the predominantly female members and also this very strong storyline as well. Basically touring all over the world with that show, did you feel like um a pioneer like do you feel more engaged as an artist performing in a show that was showcasing woman in power and womanhood in that way absolutely i think that that was a question that got asked 
a lot on tour uh, when we were uh, in a city and we had press there. We we had a lot of uh, questions about that, and it, and it felt, you know, almost you know for sure groundbreaking for for Cirque in a way, very groundbreaking to be able to to bring a show like that to other countries uh, around the world. Did the show ever perform in places where women were oppressed or because of the very nature of the show, did you feel a different response depending on the specific places you would go because of cultural differences? Well, <laughs> I mean, look, everywhere you go in the world, in some way, I feel like women are, are definitely oppressed, whether it's in a very small way or, or larger way, it just feels wherever you go, it, it's, that is the case, Yeah, yeah it's uh, true. you know, and of course some countries more than others, but, uh, you know, and we were in Argentina, I believe at a time when they were, uh, there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of protests happening the same time we were there, uh, for about women's reproductive rights. And, uh, it was really, it felt really, I felt really lucky to be there at that time uh-huh. just to have ourselves being showcased like that in, in a country that was very focused on, um, on, on, you know, on women at that time, you know, whether you were whatever side you were on, on the debate, it was still, it was, I felt it, it was very important that we were there at that time, you know, we were, it was, yeah, it was, it was as if you were fueling energy into the debate and like bringing strength to the woman. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, like I said, it, it didn't matter what side you were on in the debate. It was, it was still like women were at the forefront of this and, uh, and yeah, we were, we were there kind of showcasing that, um, that strength. And uh, we, you know, it was also that that also ran, we ran into a few problems with that when we went to go present the show for the Asian mm-hmm. market, because I, I, from what I understood, they, they were hesitant to bring a show that really showcased that um, female strength, the, the, the female power. So they, they were quite hesitant to, uh, to bring that show there. I, I don't, I think that they, they may have felt that it wasn't really, uh, an appropriate, you know, an appropriate, uh, show to bring to some of the countries there. So that was, it's crazy. Huh? Yeah. It was very disappointing <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like the show was out there, uh, you know, putting down men or men's rights or anything like that. You know, it was just showcasing, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty, uh, of, of, of femininity and, and, you know, and, and female strength. And so I, I, uh, I hope that in the future that they will uh, be more open to bringing shows like ours. Hey guys, here is a little showbiz hack. If you're like me and need to wear makeup for a living, you're going to need some solid skincare products. I personally love to use Aveeno's Gentle Exfoliations a few times a week and their cleansers every day after the show. It makes me feel like I've gone on a good wash without completely stripping off the natural oils of my face. And the greatest thing about it, for people who are traveling a lot like us, you can get Avinos at every corner of the world. Now, let's go back to the show. I feel you guys, Juan and I were so lucky to have been able to, while performing, to actually feel that you were showcasing a more progressive yeah, exactly. depiction on maybe inspiring an awakening in people's mind about woman condition. I think it's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was such a pleasure to be able to be on stage and look out to the audience and see uh, young, uh, young kids, you know, young girls uh, get, getting to watch the reaction and, and seeing 
themselves on stage, you know, or, or being able to, to, uh, associate or, or be inspired by, um, by seeing so many women on stage. I mean, it's inspiring for both boys and girls, of course, but, uh, um, it was just, it was, it was extra special to, to think that you're making a difference or inspiring little, you know, young, young kids, young girls in the audience. Compared to the other show you worked on, did you feel that the audience was different? Do you feel that Amuna had, had more women in the audience than Iris? Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't believe that was the case necessarily. Uh, what was great was with Amaluna is that we did go to some countries that Cirque had never uh, toured before. So that hmm. was very exciting because the response was just in incredible. I mean, we, <laughs> I remember uh, it was in uh, Paraguay. Uh, I went out to, but, you know, it, at the beginning of Amaluna, I start the show. I, I, I come out on stage mm -hmm. on my own singing this uh, song to the red fabric that's, you know, floating through mm -hmm. the air. And I remember just <laughs> not being able to hear myself at all because the oh, audience yeah. <laughs> was just, as soon as the first note hit, you know, if it, you know, it was the, I mean, it just exploded. The, the audience exploded with, with screams and, and clapping. And then, you know, I was trying my best. I mean, I felt so overjoyed and so overwhelmed to hear them. Uh, and happy, but at the same time, a little freaked out because yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I can't hear anything of what I'm singing. I hope it's right. <laughs> we, we we had a similar experience in in Japan when we had an <gasps> there was a show only for schools, and but it was kids I think from I think starting at between 12 and 16. And I remember that same, like as soon as the music went down the screen, they're like, Wah! and like it was a nonstop. Oh. <laughs> And I just remember also we were all because the opening of the show was almost all the cast was a big scene with everyone on stage. And everyone was looking at each other like, oh my God, this is insane. And like the whole oh. thing was like vibrating that and that energy is, it was, oh, how fun. yeah, it was really, really, really awesome. Uh, yeah. Isn't that the best? Just be, being able to, to have, I mean, we're so lucky that we get to experience that and, um, and, and be able to see people's joy or feel people's joy so much, you know, in, yeah, in one, true. in one space, this, this one space, it's, it, it feels so sacred in a way. Yeah. I mean, for sure. We, we are bringing people together and we are, and as you say, we feel the happiness and joy all together. It is a very sacred thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I wanted to ask you, about your experience being a cancer survivor while performing on Amaluna. Yeah. Yeah. So at the, so when I joined, when I started uh, training in Montreal uh, with Amaluna, I was experiencing, uh, so I had this bump that was on you know, on the front of my chest, right where my heart is. And it was, it was a, kind of like a bump. Like if you, if you hit your head or something, you know, mm -hmm. you have a, a bump. Uh, it, it was, it, it was like that, but it, it was, uh, you know, it was painful at times. And I remember thinking, oh, I must've just bruised, you know, myself, like some, you know, something hit there or something. I, I, it's just a bruise. Uh, and I was going to PMED to have them work on uh, my shoulder. And I, what was happening was that I couldn't really put my arm back to, to really pull my arm back because the bump that was here on my chest in front of my heart, it, it would, it would become very painful. And I was losing a lot of movement mm -hmm. in my shoulder on my left shoulder on the left side. And uh, they said to me, uh, Peanut said, look, you got to get that checked out because <laughs> you're going to get frozen shoulder <laughs> if, uh, if you're not able to, 
you know, to put your, your arm back that far. So I said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll go get it checked out. And I went to the doctor in Montreal. They did some x-rays and they said, okay, we see something there, but we're not quite sure what it is. So it's best to get uh, a CT mm -hmm. scan. So it's something more in depth to see it. And I, you know, and I remember thinking, okay, I'll, I'll wait till I get to Miami mm -hmm. <laughs> to start the next city. I'll, I'll wait till we go there uh, to deal with it, you know? Uh, and and, and also my parents were living in Miami and that was going to be my first, uh, my first, uh, show mm -hmm. my first city with Amaluna. So I was like, it'll be perfect. My mom works in a hospital. I'll go to her hospital, you know, get the CT scan. So as soon as I got there, I made the appointment and it was almost, almost like the doctor didn't even really need to, <laughs> to see the results. He kind of already had a feeling of what it was. And, uh, before, you know, they, they even looked at it, but he, so, so he diagnosed me with lymphoma and it was a non Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a, a blood cancer. And the tumor that had formed was right in front of my heart. And I was also experiencing this cough, a lot of, a, a lot of coughing, like coughing fits. And I remember being in, in training in Montreal with you know, cause I, I was singing in the show. So I remember being very nervous about, well, what if I have a coughing fit on stage, you know, mm, <laughs> because yeah. they were sometimes just, you know, out of my control. And what ended up happening was that the tumor was actually pressing into my lung. It had grown and was pressing into my lungs. So oh my God. I was learning to sing despite this tumor, I, which I didn't know I had at the time, but I was learning to sing around it in a way. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I was, you know, diagnosed with this and, and they told me, you know, the, that the treatments would be, I would need to get chemo because there wasn't uh, you can't really in, in blood cancers, you can't do surgery to remove the mm -hmm. tumor. They, they just have to be killed with either chemo or radiation. So, uh, and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, okay, okay. So I have this, this tumor it's here. It's in front of my lungs. So basically I'm going to have to, when it's gone, I'm going to have to start training again with my vocal coach Estelle to, to, to learn how to re-sing, you know, like I was already looking into the future of like, okay, go back to Montreal, start training again for singing to like, to learn how to sing or like once the tumor is gone, you know, so it was, uh, you know, it was such a weird combination of, oh my God, I'm, I'm joining this show and now I have cancer all of a sudden before I even start my first city. And, uh, but, but also like, I am not going to let this get in the way of my performing. So I, I made that very, very clear at the beginning. Very clear with yourself or with the show? With both. <laughs> first I made it very clear with myself. I'm not going to let this get in the way. Uh, and, and I, and I approached my directors and I told them, uh, that the, you know, the artistic director and the assistant artistic director. I said, look, I, I want to continue on the show. I want to keep doing this, you know, the shows as much as possible. And, uh, and I, and I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll be there on stage. And I was so lucky that they were so supportive and that they, they supported me in that decision. And they made a lot of accommodations for me to, um, to make sure that I was safe. So for instance, uh, because of the chemo treatments that I was getting, my white uh, blood cell count was very low. So anything that I, if anybody had a cold, I would, mm -hmm. I would pick it up. And of course I, I don't have anything to fight that off with. So yeah. they set up a separate makeup and, and dressing room for me in one of the trailers. So it was, I was just, you know, away from everyone so that I could have my own space to prepare for the show, you know, do my makeup, get my costume on and everything, uh, and not be in such an enclosed space with everybody at the same time. So, it, you know, I was, 
I mean, I'm so thankful and so grateful for them to, to really go out of their way to, to, to make me feel safe and, and allow me to continue on the show. And, um, they even at one point, uh, they allowed me to bring the cello from the show into the hospital room during my chemo treatments, because my chemo treatments were rare in the sense that, uh, it wasn't just that I would go into the hospital for a couple hours and get my infusion and then go home. And then three weeks later, have it again. Uh, it was, it was uh, where I had to be in the hospital for five days at a time, getting chemo the chemo 24 hours a day for those five days. So oh um, yeah, it was very intense. So it was, it was so nice. So we were, I, I remember having the cello in there and, but being connected to all these wires and tubes and everything and, and still being able to, to practice and, and play the show and, and all the nurses and patients they loved it so much, like coming in, listening to me play and everything. But I mean, what else was I going to do? I'm just sitting there hooked up to these machines, you know? Um, so yeah, they, they were, they were so kind to, to, to be so helpful during that time. It's incredible that that's that story that you were able to bring it in the hospital and that also what I'm sure you must have had such a, an incredible impact on the other patients around you to see you being practicing and playing music. And I'm sure you must have uplift their spirits so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it became almost like a, a nightly performance. <laughs> I guess that's that's the thing, right? We're performers and we have to yeah. <laughs> not let anything get in the way of that. So and how was your your energy and go, going back and performing yeah. the show? Like how was your how how did you feel emotionally going on stage and then performing on stage while you were undergoing all that? Yeah, it was intense. So I would leave the hospital and um, you know, have to I, I would go on stage the next day. I, I, if, if it was up to me, I would have gone on stage that day, <laughs> leaving <laughs> the hospital every time. But, you know, they're like, no, 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 you need, you need a, you know, just, just take the day off <laughs> to rest. But, um, and I remember, you know, because when you have uh, chemo, a lot of people experience mm -hmm. nausea. So that was a big problem for me was the nausea. And I remember so many nights like, you know, being backstage waiting by the curtain right before, you know, have to go out on stage and thinking, oh my God, that, that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up. This is okay. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then push the door, the, the curtain opens and I walk out on stage and, and all of it just goes away. You know, the, the, the nausea, any pain, any ache, and it just all went away the second the curtains opened every, every time and it it was like I my mind like it was just like I I became a different person I was in a different life I was in a different you know just my whole body was different once the curtains opened and I stepped on, out on stage and and I would leave the the, the cancer behind me you know backstage so and I, I think that it's a testament to how powerful your mind can really can, can be, you know, they, you know, they have that saying, you know, mind over matter. And it really, it really is true. I mean, you, you know, and I'm, of course, I'm not saying that, that this, that everyone can mm -hmm. do this, but your mind is much more powerful than you think it is. Uh, you know, I, 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 re I remember even at one point on stage, it was about uh, after my fourth treatment, um, after my fourth round of chemo, or sorry, my after my third round of chemo. And I remember sitting on stage during one of the acts where I had to sit on stage uh, for a, a, a long time. Uh, for for this, Lara's act. For, uh, Lara's yeah. act, yeah, for the for the balancing act there. And 
And I remember being sitting there and I instantly felt something this, and, and this thought came to me that said, my tumor's gone. Like, oh my God, my tumor is gone. I, I know it's gone. And <laughs> going backstage afterwards and telling people like, my tumor is gone. And everyone looked at me like, oh, okay. Like, kind of like... <laughs> A little crazy. <laughs> you know, feel a little sorry for me, like that I, I all of a sudden, how the hell am I supposed to know that my tumor's gone? And lo and behold, so I, I two days later, I had my scan, which you have after every treatment that you do, you have your scan. And lo and behold, the tumor was gone. And I just, I knew it. I knew it. I felt it. You know, it's like that thing where you your body does all these things. Your body feels all these things. And, and, uh, if you're in, if you're in tune with it, you really, you can really do some magical things with it, you know? It's this very specific mindset going on stage. Like when you are on stage and you're performing it's, you are in a, in a different state of, of mind, of being Mm -hmm. that every time I was on stage, I always had to be moving and, and projecting. I never had to be on stage so much and having to be still, but I, I can only imagine that you were still, but you were still have to be, to be on in that state of being, and maybe in that state of hyper awareness, mm-hmm. maybe you were able to like, listen to what your body, like not listen, but hear what your body was telling you. Yeah. And it, it was interesting too, because I was playing this character who was, uh, you know, the, the Prospera, the, the character of Prospera. And she's this very, you know, she's the queen of the island of Amaluna. She's powerful. She's a sorceress. She's, you know, she's all these things. And, and I had to be this like pillar of strength, you know, and, and show that strength on stage. And meanwhile, I felt like, you know, is sometimes I just felt like a sick person, you know, like, like where you feel like the, like your, your cancer, oh, it means you're sick. And that defines you like this. So you're supposed to be weak. And sometimes of course I would feel weak back, you know, but, but as soon as I was on stage in that character, it's, it's like you, you become, you become that character. You are that character. So, so you don't have cancer, you know, you don't feel sick you know, you're, you're, Mm -hmm. you're powerful. That's, uh, those were those feelings like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not that, you know, that person that was just feeling so nauseous and, you know, a moment ago, I'm, I'm, I'm the queen of this Island. I I can cause a storm, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) So it, it, that I feel like, um, I was very fortunate to have that show when I did, because of course, you know, I I was going to have the cancer, whether I was on that show or not. So having the, being so lucky to have that show to, to have an escape from, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from constantly thinking, you know, I have cancer, you know, it, it, to, to have a break from that it was, it really like almost just saved my life and or saved my sanity really. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I was, I'll, I'll forever be grateful that, that, you know, things lined up the way they did. Um, Were there any moments where you, you thought about just taking a break from tour? Like, were there any moment when you're like, this is too hard. Like I have to, I have to leave the tour or do you think that au contraire, the show and the performance was really a pillar in your recovery and in your rehabilitation process? Yeah, absolutely. The show was, was, I was very almost dependent on the show as part of my treatment. The show, the show was a part of my treatment Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt that, that without it, then, then I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, the sick person lying in bed, you know, but the show prevented me from becoming that person, uh, because I, it was, there was so much responsibility that I had, uh, you know, in doing the show. So I felt like I had to, um, I, in a way, like, I was like, well, I can't let anybody down, (laughs) you know, uh, like I have to be there on stage. So 
but but you know, and, and and again, that's that's not an attitude that everybody could or should have uh, when when they have cancer. But I I really feel that that I it was so important for that show was so important to me as my treatment because uh, it 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 saved my sanity. It saved uh, it saved me from feeling sick. Really, yeah. you know, all, all constantly sick. You know, yeah. Of course, I felt sick at times but like i said earlier the you know once you're on stage it just all went away so absolutely i did not i did not ever want a break uh i never asked for a break there i never called out of a show you know i never called out sick i had my scheduled treatments that we knew that i was going to miss uh you know the shows for each of those treatments but i had never other than that, I had never called out sick. Uh, so I think that, I think that the directors were probably <laughs> hoping that I would want to break, you know, because I think, I think they were more nervous than I was. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> Is she sure. going to be okay? Is she yeah. going to pass out? And I think at the time too, there was a, when in, in the storm act before we changed it, there was, I used to fly in this moon while playing the cello. Oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, and I remember them feeling really cautious about me being up there. They're like, what if you pass out? And I'm like, of course I'm not going to pass it. I'm fine. You know, but I, I see, you know, and at that time I, I was like, why would they think I would pass out? You know, <laughs> now looking back at it, oh, I see exactly. What oh yeah, done. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one, one last question for you. Yeah. Uh, if tomorrow aliens would land on earth, how would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? <laughs> Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think that I would I would explain it as a as a place where you you enter a different world that that takes that 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 it, it's a magical world that you enter where anything that you're worried about anything that you're feeling it's 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 gone for that for those two hours that you're in the tent watching this performance um that you you enter this magical place basically that that uh that you won't see anywhere else in 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 life you know it's an experience that you'll never forget It will stay with you from, you know, the time you're a little kid to the time you're an adult. You'll always remember, not that you'll remember the entire show, but you will always have images that are forever etched in your mind uh, of those shows. Oh, that's such an great <laughs> answers. Amanda, thank you so much for coming and thank you so much for sharing your story. It's really, it's, it's so inspiring all of it performing aspect your the way you approach your recovering and the way you fought against cancer in this way really it's it's extremely extremely inspiring thank you so much for your generosity thank you thank you for having me and thank you for doing this podcast i think uh <laughs> i think that everybody uh i think everyone will be so happy Whoa, what an amazing story. I've heard about the power of music and the arts before, but Amanda's story really is incredible. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like the show, please subscribe, give us a good review and share it with everybody. That really makes a difference for us. Don't forget to send us your recorded questions for our upcoming Q&A episode on our Instagram at Tapirouge Podcast. And until next week, as we say in the circus, see you down the road.